Uh, right, hello uh, everybody. Welcome to the trading week ahead uh, with Trend Signal. My name is Adrian Boothy, head of trading, and as ever, I'm joined with our chief analyst and chief executive, Jerry. Uh, Jerry Miller. Hi, Jerry. Uh, hello there, Adrian. Hello, everyone. Hello, hello. Um, so, um, in the trading week ahead, we're just going to take a look at the main events uh, that are coming up for the week, just so that traders are super planned. Uh, they know what to be looking out for, where the banana skins are, but actually, maybe more importantly, where the real opportunities are, because it's these events that are going to stimulate movement in the markets for the coming week. So, it's really important that traders know what we should be looking out for, what we should be avoiding, and what we should be jumping into. So, what I'm going to do is move away away from the slides for just a moment um, and we're going to take a look at the economic calendar so what don't we know yet about the markets uh, let's find that out shall we so Jerry uh, do you want to take us through some of the events that are coming up and the important events for the week uh, ahead please? yeah yeah certainly um, obviously Monday the first uh, day of the week not a lot on the calendar we've got um, Andrew Bailey the uh, governor of the Bank of England that's not a name we have to get used to actually following Mr. Carney's uh, mm. departure, but um, I think a few people are starting to get used to his name. Uh, he's speaking at a LIBOR conference. Uh, there's no point in me explaining exactly what that is, uh, but it's hosted by the Bank of England and the Federal Reserve. It happens uh, 4.30 this afternoon. It could give us a clue as to a move in UK rates possibly, so sterling will be a little bit sensitive to anything that slips out, if you know what I mean, um, in uh, any uh, sort of Q&A session. Uh, but that's 4.30. That's not great. Interest rates are one of the main drivers for currencies, aren't they? So anything that uh, is likely to affect interest rates is going to have a big impact on the movement of currencies. So that's well worth it. For Forex traders in particular, um, or sterling traders in particular, well worth having a look out for that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there is a bit of uh, Chinese data out tomorrow, but it's really nothing like as important as the data at the end of the week or on Thursday with the GDP, but I'll, I'll get to that in a second. But the, the thing we're interested in tomorrow is the monthly GDP data um, from the UK. Uh, lockdown measures started to be eased in uh, towards the end of May uh, in certain uh, certain aspects, certainly. Um, so you should start to see an improvement in, in the May data. Now, you might be thinking, well, hang on a second, Jay, it's July, aren't you talking about June? <laughs> no, um, it, it takes roughly 40 days to collate uh, the monthly uh, GDP data. It's not something we used to look at before. Uh, they only started releasing monthly data about a year ago, a year or so ago. So uh, we're not normally used to the quarterly data, but monthly data, mm. same thing with quarterly data. It's 40 days after the end of that period that the, the data is available. So uh, we're going to know what's uh, been happening in May. And you might think, well, surely June is more important. Well, it is, uh, but it'll give us a, an idea about how well uh, the UK is recovering. So uh, yeah. Sterling will be sensitive that, to, to that, Adrian, on, that, on Tuesday. Yeah. So, of course, April, we had a, a significant contraction, 20.4%, uh, but we're expecting 5% um, sort of growth back, which is, of course, positive, but it's only a quarter of what we fell by. So we need a, a, a decent move back up, don't we? Mm. Um, or actually, probably less than a quarter because it's up 5% of the, uh, the lower number. But uh, in any mm. case, positive. Uh, it's positive. Uh, my, my suspicions are it, it might be better than that 5% number. Uh, that yeah, 20.4% PMI data coming in is better than expected, didn't we, over that period of time, didn't we, in May? So, yeah, yeah. That, that, that would be my guess. Um, in the afternoon, uh, Tuesday, we got uh, inflation data. Um, none is my uh, comment on that, uh, i.e. no inflation whatsoever. We, we saw the 
PPI data, if you click on the week before, Adrian, you can see that the producer price index from the previous Friday, so uh, that came out as an astonishingly weak number. Uh, and this is an important sort of observation because not many people follow PPI, but it stands for the producer price index. And if you think about a factory, it produces cars and the cars uh, sold, whether they go up and down in price, affects the retail price index, but it's the cost of those goods that go into making those cars, so the sheet metal, uh, mm. the electronics and everything else, and those costs are falling, then it means that there's very little chance of the end products rising in price, if you know what I mean. So there's inflation, the lack of inflation is a concern for central banks. So this isn't necessarily a positive development having very low inflation, but um, the fact is that that's where we're at. Um, so, um, yeah. Of course, inflation is the primary mandate for um, central banks, really, isn't it? To control inflation and make sure it's within certain certain ranges, but of course, it's way lower than its um, typical yeah. range. Really. In, in every developed economy at the moment, yeah. The maintaining price stability is one of their mandates, along with fostering full employment. Um, maintaining price stability uh, means not allowing prices to fall as much as allowing prices to rise. So uh, it is a problem. Uh, and of mm. course, you'd think flooding the market with dollars, uh, with this QE, buying corporate bonds, I mean, they're, they're literally uh, just throwing the kitchen sink and every other kitchen appliance at it. So, you know, at some stage, we could suffer the consequences of all this um, in the years to come with higher inflation. But uh, yeah. as I've always said, in the short to medium term, do not worry about inflation. That's not on, that's not the thing we should be focusing on. Uh, okay, so, uh, that's the data. That's the rest of the data on Tuesday. On Wednesday, we got central banks this week uh, and two central bank uh, monthly policy meetings. On Wednesday, you got the Bank of Japan. We'll wake up Wednesday morning, and it'll all have happened by then. Uh, the yen's obviously going to be sensitive, so sterling yen, euro yen, dollar yen. Um, the yeah. COVID-19 infections are rising, and there's been a sudden spike in infections in uh, Tokyo, and it's rather difficult to sort of gauge the decision here. Uh, are they going to extend the measures already in place? I, I doubt it. They won't make any changes in rates, but you know they've got unlimited QE, which is extraordinary. Uh, so mm. um, I, I'd be surprised if they say anything that is that is going to weaken the yen. Uh, but you know maybe they'll come up with something else, an infinity plus uh, <laughs> QE. I don't know. Uh, maybe that's silly. Um, so uh, there we go. That's one of the uh, central bank meetings, and then we've got the. Bank of Canada, uh, so the Canadian rate uh, decision, uh, that's at three o'clock on Wednesday afternoon. Um, CAD sensitive, so Canadian dollar sensitive, sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah. Unlikely to have any change, Adrian. Uh, the, the Canadians uh, and the Bank of Canada it tends to sort of take a very close, uh, keep a very close eye on what the Fed are doing. Uh, so uh, they, they can't afford to make any unilateral move there. So uh, we don't expect anything. Uh, um, crude oil, crude oil inventories though. Oh uh, yeah, that's a good point. We talked yeah, about crude this oil. in our uh, 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 forex and stock market review earlier, didn't we? So that's that's likely to be relatively important because they're talking about uh, changes in the supply, aren't they? Well, that's right. Well, the crude oil inventories is just for uh, WTI. You're right. Uh, there is OPEC a meeting uh, on Wednesday, but that's to uh, agree to cut or reverse some of the production cuts back in from April where they cut 9.7 million barrels per day. That won't be reflected in any crude oil inventories in, in the short uh, term really. Mm. 
but um, you know, I think the price of crude oil, whilst it does seem to be sort of tracking equities, I do think it's uh, it's it's walking a tightrope, and I, I have a feeling that it, it is becoming increasingly vulnerable to another correction at some stage. But anyway, that that's uh, that's a possibility. Mm -hmm. uh, but um, the, certainly, the inventories that really is a domestic U.S. domestic issue. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised to see a, a, a start a bigger build in inventories in the coming weeks. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and what about Thursday? A couple of bits Thursday. Uh, Thursday, the big day, big day of the week, really. Uh, first of all, um, certainly Far East markets are getting very optimistic or wanting to be optimistic about the uh, second quarter GDP growth uh, in China. As you know, they went into lockdown very early on because that's where the thing started. So uh, Wuhan and the Hubei province and the rest of you know, like Beijing, etc., they're in lockdown in, in February. And of course, they then relaxed their um, uh, lockdowns in um, uh, May uh, and have uh, been recovering ever since. So uh, it'll be very interesting to see the uh, the rate of uh, improvement. Uh, and uh, we're looking at a 2.2 figure. And that will determine the mood of the markets um, when we uh, come in on Thursday morning. So when we wake up, you'll know exactly what number has come out uh, and the effects it's had on stock indices and the opening mm -hmm. in the European um, uh, morning. Ahead of the opening, we've also got claimant count, uh, uh, that's unemployment data or employment data here in the UK is released at seven o'clock as a lot of numbers are these days. Um, will be really interesting. That's uh, there's a massive concern that as, uh, as and when the furlough scheme is um, eventually finished with at the end of October, there is going to be a bit of a spike in uh, uh, redundancies. As they are well, there's talk of that happening, starting to happening now because the if you you have to go through a consultation period of about 30 days or something if you're going to make more than 20 people redundant i can't remember the exact number of days but certainly if you're going to make more than 100 people redundant you've got to have a consultation period of 45 days so you know, these companies have been planning that for some time now so the the idea the argument is that it's going to start to get more numbers trickling through as they conclude their consultation um, yeah. So certainly, I think the retail sector, the uh, the offline, as it were, hospitality. I mean, let's face it, this is all about um, socialising a lot of hospitality, and because we're not allowed yeah. to socialise that, that, those particular sectors, the travel sector, tourism, hospitality, pubs, clubs, restaurants, bars, hotels, uh, they may be opening, Adrian, but my, uh, they don't they can't have uh, that many tables so the covers they do need to have sort of 70 percent um uh sort of cover of their um you know what they can achieve to to, to break even a lot of restaurants so they're going to struggle so mm -hmm. i think the jury's out as to what to the extent of uh, job uh, redundancies but uh, yeah i take your point that so a lot of that planning and implementation is going on right now as we speak yeah yeah, uh, smelly stuff. Uh, okay, yeah. um, um, European um, interest rates, monetary policy statements on Thursday as well. So that's twelve forty-five with the statement at one thirty as well. Uh, probably yeah. more important thing at one thirty, isn't it, Jerry? Yeah, it is. It, it, it's the um, sort of uh, uh, the, the the press conference is the thing that uh, provides the sparks. We're not expecting anything in the previous month, um, if you recall, uh, the um, asset. Uh, purchase program or QE as it's called that is d designed to provide uh, extra liquidity and, and 
uh, extra cash into the European Eurozone economy. They increased the QE um, package by 600 billion euros, and they, that brings the total to 1.35 trillion. I mean, it's a huge number, uh, mm. and it sounds like they've just gone completely overboard, and quite a few analysts believe that they will never be able to spend 1.35 trillion euros buying uh, sovereign paper. So uh, anyway, but that, that's sort of by the by. We don't expect any change um, uh, in rates, and I think the European Central Bank is going to want to see how the EU governments uh, progress with their discussions on this uh, this 750 billion coronavirus recovery package. And this was proposed, golly, at the end of April or mid-April, was it, this year? So it's been a long time on the cards. And the problem with it, Adrian, is that and this is going to be discussed on Friday, so I might as well just go through it. I'll just tell you what's happening on Friday. Um, they're meeting in Brussels and they're trying to talk about, you know, how this is going to be implemented. But you've got what's been dubbed there, <laughs> I love the way they give them a, a, a moniker, uh, Europe's frugal governments. So the frugal four are pushing for cuts to this planned recovery package. And why are they pushing for it? They're having to pay for it, but they're not going to benefit as much, anything like as much as the southern member states. So the likes of Spain, Greece and Italy are going to be the biggest beneficiaries. And of course, they're, they're keen to get the deal signed and put into action as soon as possible. So yeah. And I think the European Central Bank would like to see those that, that agreement in place so they can raise the money, get it delivered to where it's needed. Who, which are the, the frugal uh, four, just, just out of interest? We'll put you on the spot here. Uh, uh, Holland, uh, France. Uh, do you know, you have put me on the spot. Um, I think <laughs> Germany It'll partly Germany, are. Right? Well, Germany partly are. But remember, um, Angela Merkel was very, she's a, a sort of big backer of it. But then again, she's, I wouldn't describe her as a lame duck president, but um, she's the figurehead who's on her way out. So uh, I, again, I wouldn't know who the fourth one is uh, without guessing, and I don't want to guess. But it, it, yeah, it, it, it's the northern states, and it's obvious because they're a lot fiscally more uh, solid, uh, and they don't need the funds anything like as much as the South. Remember, Italy was in a recession before the pandemic, Adrian. So, mm. yeah, and Spain has really suffered. Um, their tourism industry has been absolutely uh, whacked, um, along with Greece as well. And Greece is really struggling uh, with its uh, lump, very, very uh, big deficit and, and its you know, the number of bonds in circulation, yeah, etc. Huge tourism issues and everything. Correct. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so they need help pretty quickly, and and the, the you know the fact is they want other people to pay for it. Okay. Um, we've also uh, this week sort of kicking off Q2 of the earnings season. That's going to be quite interesting because there's been sort of an, a ban on guidance from companies, really, hasn't there? And so this is going to be kind of like the sort of you know, the main indication of how companies have done. And we've probably got less information than we've ever had before. So it's going to be quite hard to, to sort of price in uh, what we're expecting, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't banned. It's just the fact that you know the the regulator just said, well, it's impossible for these companies to be able to provide guidance because they don't know what's happening. They're not making the decisions to do what's do what you know to to, to protect themselves. Mm. They're having to follow the rules. So the lockdown was the lockdown, and it was uh, not self-induced. It was caused by governments making decisions to you know put everyone into lockdown. So they can't really say how well they were going to do because they didn't know what 
sort of path that the lockdown was going to take. But, but yeah. we have got um, the, what's, what's called the second quarter earnings season kicking off. So that's at the, the, the second quarter ended at the end of June. It basically takes uh, four or five weeks for them to get their uh, stuff together. Uh, and the first to report are the banks, and they always are. So they've got, you've got the likes of Citigroup, JP Morgan, all the well-known names, Wells Fargo. Uh, they report on Tuesday, then Goldman Sachs big investment bank on Wednesday, then Morgan Stanley Bank of America on Thursday. So there's some real big stuff. And then normally, you know, if the banks are doing well, it means the economy is doing well. Uh, and they're going to be pretty decent numbers. And the ones that are going to stick out uh, as being very positive, according to the analysts, the Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley, because they're sort of this sort of big investment banking um, banks. Uh, and they are the ones that probably have done pretty well out of the trading revenues because they uh, that's what they do a lot of uh, and also the advisory fees for all the deals that are going on um, so so they'll probably be the ones that uh, shine out really uh, but you're right market consensus difficult to know really uh, very few companies have given any guide since the pandemic hit so uh, it'd be interesting to see the reaction of the markets when the results do come out yeah I think that's right. Then we'll probably find it's going to be more important than it normally is this week, um, because uh, you know, it, it, don't get me wrong, it's important what the big companies uh, report, but it's not necessarily a major feature for. I say this. I think it's more important this week than in previous weeks, previous quarters. Let's put it that way. That's what I'm trying yeah, to say. Yeah, I, I, I would say, I would say that's uh, that is the case. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, I think that's pretty much uh, it, Jerry. Am I am I right there? You no, you're right. Yep. That's it. good. OK, excellent. Well, that's um, the info for the trading week ahead, 13th of July to the 17th of July. So uh, happy trading, uh, everybody. Hope that helps you um, be prepared for the main events and the main uh, potential um, uh, stimulants of movement and uh, volatility that are coming up. Um, if you would like help with the trading strategy, if you'd like to learn more about how we trade here at Trendsill or award-winning training programs, uh, then please do tune in for one of our live trading events. Now, you'll see if you go to the webpage bits.ly slash learn TS, you can book yourself in for one of our live trading events. We'll teach you one of our favorite trading strategies, which is how we teach our foundation traders uh, to pick up fantastic turning points on the FX index and commodity markets. So if you'd like to come along, here's that link again, bit.ly. So bit slash learn TS. But otherwise, for myself and Jerry, have a fantastic week's trading and hopefully we see you online next week as well. And bye-bye for now.